Welcome, welcome, welcome to Summit. We're glad that you're here. You can go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to the book of Romans, chapter 12. We're going to get there in a few minutes, but uh, I wanted to pray a very special prayer this morning for Galilee Baptist Church in Gorham. Uh, I got the opportunity Friday night to go to Galilee for the celebration. Now, I want you to hear this, okay, because this, this doesn't happen all the time a celebration for their pastor as he's retiring and preaching his last sermon this morning at Galilee. And uh, Pastor Dave Christensen has been at Galilee Baptist Church for 28 years as their senior pastor. And for the last few years, he's been intentionally discipling and mentoring and raising up Mark Labaz, who was their outreach pastor, who they voted on last Sunday to be their senior pastor. And so starting tomorrow, or I guess this afternoon at lunchtime, Mark is now their senior pastor, so we ought to pray for him as well. Um, but uh, but I, as I sat there Friday night and listened and observed this service, it was just beautiful. Um, I've been on the other end of that where there have been celebrations for a pastor leaving in other ways that the pastor wasn't always a part of. Some of you know what I'm talking about. But as I sat there the other night, almost, I mean, just overwhelmed um, by, by folks who, I, there was one guy that got up to speak and he was on the search committee 28 years ago that brought him uh, to Galilee. And it was just amazing to hear um, uh, and, and I just praised God Friday night as I talked to Dave, Pastor Dave, as I was leaving. And I looked at him and I said, this doesn't happen. Thank you for your faithfulness to God. And I asked him, I said, what do you preach on your last Sunday at Galilee after preaching for 28 years? And he looked at me and said, I don't know, what do you got? <laughs> and I said, I don't know, I need notes from you on what to preach in 28 years on my last sermon at Summit. Um, and so I'll be listening to that message later on today uh, or tomorrow. But um, just want to pray for them and their church. Celebrate all that God's doing at Galilee. Man, that's awesome. We partner with them in a big way with our We Love Gorham project uh, every year. Um, I meet with those guys once a month and just a solid group of folks over at Galilee. So will you join me in praying this morning for uh, Galilee and, and for the rest of our service? <clears throat> Father, I thank you for Pastor Dave. I thank you for his faithfulness to you over these 28 years, for his wife and their two daughters. Um, God, for how you've provided for them and, and, and strengthened them to serve you in such a way uh, to, to, to get to this place today where we celebrate, where we celebrate the ministry of Pastor Dave. And I pray for Galilee and for Pastor Mark as he transitions God, just that you would be all over that transition and that you would continue to shape them and mold them for you-sized things in the future in the town of Gorham. We thank you for their partnership, for the gospel. We thank you that, um, that, that you're moving there and that you're working there. And we just pray that that would continue even in this transition, that you would just be glorified um, by uh, Galilee and, and the work that they're going to continue to do. I pray for rest for Pastor Dave. Um, I just pray that you give he and his wife rest in a special way. Um, and God, I pray over the rest of our service today that you give us ears to hear what it is that you want to say to us this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As I sat there Friday night, <clears throat> um, 
with, with Pastor Dave, they got to a place in the service where they played this game. And this game ended up um, just, I mean, if you want to take notes on this next couple minutes of the message as we're getting into Romans chapter 12, that's fine. I invite you to do that, encourage you to do that, hint, hint. Um, but, uh, but, but they got to this point where they played this game, and the game ended in the fact that, in, in, in that Galilee blessed Pastor Dave and his wife with an all-expenses-paid cruise to Alaska. So in 28 years... Kristen and I have always wanted to go to Alaska. I tried to take it from him, and he, man, he didn't, he didn't like that very much. But, um, but no, but, but, it, but it was interesting because I, I was thinking about Alaska this past week in relation to this message. We've been walking through um, the marks of a disciple, disciple-making disciple, here at Summit over the last couple weeks, and we talked, you know, the first two weeks about a passion for Jesus. And then we talked about a knowledge of the Scriptures. And today and next week, we're going to be talking about the importance of community and what it's like to live in community. I was talking to a friend of mine who used to live in Alaska, and I was asking him a little bit about it. I said, when you go to Alaska, maybe in 28 years or so, what, what, would, you, what would you want to do? What, what, what is essential to do in Alaska? Has anybody ever been to Alaska real quick? Okay, great. I see those hands. You don't have to brag. Okay, very good. Um, but, but, but what, are, what are the essentials to do? And, and this one friend of mine who lived there for a few years, he said, you've got to go hiking. Whenever in Alaska, you've just got to go hiking. Wasn't my first thought, and, and because I, I think of all the wildlife out there. And so I asked him, I said, well, hiking, what about the bears? And he's, what about the bears? Like, you know, what about the wildlife out there? And it was interesting, it was interesting because he said this, he said, attacks from wildlife usually happen when people try to go by themselves. Attacks usually happen when people try to go by themselves. And he referenced an acquaintance of his that was recently running in Alaska, and she went running alone and got caught between a cub and a mama bear. And so my initial thought was, and Kristen was a part of the conversation, we don't need to hike when we go to Alaska. We just don't need to hike when we go to Alaska. And he looked back at me and said, no, 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 you, you're, not, you're not getting it. Attacks usually happen when people try to go alone. And that's what I see in the church. And that's what I see in life. Attacks, distractions, things usually happen. Things usually happen when we try to go alone. When we try to do things alone, we try to do things on our own strength. And so I want to talk this morning about the importance. Everybody say importance. The importance of community. So we're going to kind of we're going to kind of dig deep into this today. I'm going to ask you a question at the end, and then next Sunday I want to talk about how to live in community. What it's like to practically live in community, biblical community. Because I said at the end of the last service, but I'll, I'll just go ahead and tease you with this now. It is possible to be in community in church and it not be biblical community. But that's next Sunday, okay? So, to kind, of, to kind of walk through this before we jump into Romans chapter 12, we once were, as I was researching the importance of community this last week, these are some of the things that I learned. We once were a society that centered around family. Centered around family. Multiple generations often lived under one roof together and, and 
When families did live separately, they never moved very far from home. But these days, we're much more of an individualistic culture. We rely on ourselves. We've talked about it before, how we become our own God. We don't need anyone else. We don't even have a need for God. We can do everything ourselves. Or as my three-year-old says, my do-it-myself. We live far away from where we were raised. Our connections with other people take place most often in the workplace. But those connections are usually shallow, fickle, or short-lived. And in the church, we see this sense of individualism and disconnectedness as well. Many people, and, and, and listen, I'm not, I'm not throwing, I know we've got some visitors here this morning, I'm just, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to, to throw stones, but I just, in my research this week, I found that many people serially date churches. Church hopping wasn't a term 30 years ago. Today, many people serially date churches, never staying in one place very long. Some may stake a claim on a church, but remain distant and on the margins, holding people at arm's length, attending only when something better isn't going on. And then, there are those who may indeed have a committed relationship with the church, but they're not all in. They aren't fully known by their community. They don't rely on the body when they're struggling or in need. Instead, instead, if you're in a small group, this will hit home for you. Instead, they wear masks that cover the pain of their lives, pretending that everything's okay even though it's not. Yet individualism and doing life on our own is not part of God's design for you or for me. It's not part of God's design. After all, God, if you think about it, is a community all in Himself, existing for all of eternity past. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have enjoyed the love and fellowship of their perfect triune community. In creating mankind, God desired for us to participate in that community and know the perfect and joyous love um, that the Godhead share. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But He didn't stop there. He didn't create man to be in community with Him alone. In fact, we talk about it often that the first thing God created in Scripture that we see in Genesis that wasn't good was that man was alone. God said it's not good for Adam, for the man, to be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. God created man and woman to be in community together, to create families and live together, bearing the image of of and reflecting the three-in-one God. If you read Scripture, the one thing you can realize is that Scripture is all about community. In the Old Testament, God chose the Israelites to be His people. He says in Leviticus chapter 26, verse 12, And I will walk among you and will be your God, and you shall be my people. They lived together. They worshipped together in community. Fast forward, following the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, God then instituted the church, the body of Christ, as a community of believers. 1 Corinthians 12 says this, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Community is important. 
Paul David Tripp is, a, is an author, a Christian author, wrote an incredible book um, for Christian leaders called Dangerous Calling. Love that book. Read it about six or seven years ago. Rocked my world. Um, but he says in, in his book, Wider Than Snow, Meditations on Sin and Mercy. It's a real light read. He says this, We weren't created. I want you to grasp this. We weren't created to be independent, autonomous, or self-sufficient. We weren't created to be independent, autonomous, or self-sufficient. I want you to look at the people around you before we keep reading this quote. We need each other. We need each other. We need each other. We weren't created to be independent, autonomous, or self-sufficient. We were made. We were made to live in a humble, worshipful, and loving dependency upon God. And in a loving and humble interdependency with others. Paul Tripp continues, Our lives were designed to be community projects. Yet, the foolishness of sin tells us that we have all that we need within ourselves. So we settle for relationships that never go beneath the casual. We defend ourselves when the people around us point out a weakness or a wrong. We hold our struggles within, not taking advantages, not taking advantage of the resources God has given us. The reason this is important, the reason that community, living in, in community is a mark for a disciple is because community is essential to discipleship. You reproduce, we talked about last week, we reproduce who we are. I said a couple weeks ago when I was talking about a passion for Jesus, right? I have a little eight-year-old girl and her favorite color, if you run up and ask that little girl's favorite color is Carolina blue. You know why? The t well, that's, yeah. Basketball season's right around the corner. But we reproduce who we are. And community, that relationship, that closeness, that trust is essential for community. Now, before we dive into Romans 12, we're almost there. But before we dive into Romans 12, I, 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 need, to, I need to make something known. I want you to recognize that, that, that I identify with you in something. Community... <sighs> And I would say, I would, I would add, community, especially in the church, is not always easy. Amen? It's okay. It's a safe place. Alright? It's a safe place. Community, especially in the church, is not always easy. It's easy for me to build relationships on a basketball court. It's easy for me to build, you know, decent relationships on a basketball court. It's easy, you know, and, and we can go and we can have relationships outside. But, but there's something about being in the church that changes that. That makes it hard. We have expectations on each other that aren't realistic. And there's some folks that even place their expectations on others. And then, and then when, when there's disappointment, when there's letdown, who made you God in their life? to be able to do those things and say those things. One of the things we say here often, and I don't understand it either, is why is the church the only army that shoots its wounded? I mean, we'll sit around 
in the church. I've seen this happen. I've been a part of conversations like this. Shame on me. Where, oh man, you know what? They're doing that. We just need to give them time to figure those things out and walk through that and let them fall flat on their face and then they'll come crawling back to the church for help. That's not the heart of God for relationship. What happened to going, holding somebody's arms up, having their back, and helping them through a situation? See, I have a dream that when you walk through hardship, when you walk through loneliness, when you walk through struggle in life, the church is the place you run to. I believe that's why God gave us the gift of the body of Christ. In a world that is craving and starving and searching tirelessly for real, authentic community. Because you can find the fake stuff. Real, authentic community. I have a dream that the church is that for people. But you know what? I think it goes a little bit deeper. I have a dream that when you walk through hardship, when you walk through pain, hurt, loss, whatever the case may be, that you have a small group, that you have a circle, that you have a living room that you can run to and you can cry with those people and you can weep with those people and you can celebrate with those people and you can jump for joy with those people. And you, you can, I mean, we, we, had a, we had a young lady right here in between services, Sydney, who jumped out of her skin when, we, when Emma got baptized. You know why? Because they walk together in life. They celebrate. They're excited. And they're passionate about those things. And so, I don't have the answers for that today. I want to talk and dive into a little bit more of that next week. But I wanted to recognize today that community within the church is not always rainbows and unicorns. There is real hurt. There is real pain. There is real loss that is in this room even right now from this guy. From the church. Not you, so don't go, oh, bam, pastor. No, but there are past things. There are past hurts. And there are past pain that we bring in. And it's part of who we are. Last thing I have to recognize before we got any further in this message. And I need to make this disclaimer. So some of you, if you want to leave right after this, I, I get it, I respect that. There is no such thing. There is no such thing. One more time. There is no such thing as perfect community. I've talked to those people that go, I'm, I'm looking for the perfect church. I'm looking for the perfect church. And I know what they're saying, but my heart breaks for them. Because you can't find it. Or those search committees in those churches that don't have pastors. I'm looking for the perfect pastor. When really what they mean is I'm looking for the perfect puppet to carry out my plan for this church. Not God's man to come in with God's vision to shepherd that church. You see that? You see that? And you can't find it this side of heaven. There is no such thing. I love what Dylan said. That, 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 you know, this is a picture. And it's beautiful. But there's no such thing as perfect community this side of heaven. But what I do know is that song we sang, the second one, Who You Say I Am, 
as we were singing at this service, I looked up there and I said, um, in my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. There is a place for you in God's house. There's a place for you in this community. There's a place for you in community where you can grow and you can thrive and you can weep with those who weep and you can jump for joy with those who are jumping for joy and you can celebrate and you can mourn and we can walk together. But there's some things we have to come to grips with. Romans chapter 12. Everybody good? Still with me? All right. Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 3. For by the grace given to me, Paul says to the church at Rome, I say to everyone among you, not to think, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as one in the body, excuse me, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches and is teaching, the one who exhorts and is exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So, community is essential to making disciples. And there are two things in this passage that I want to point out to us this morning. Number one, we've been called to be one. We've been called to be one. Look at the number of times that Paul says one here in these few short verses. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Here it comes verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. We have been called to be one. I love teaching membership class. I got to teach membership class this last Wednesday night. And one of the things that um, we always try to make sure that we say in membership class is ask the question, am I called to belong to this church? Because, because here's, the, here's the deal. Here's the deal. We don't want to just, just become a place that you come to. We don't want to just become a place of, of consumers where people are just getting and, and taking because we believe you have something to offer. We believe that God has a purpose for you. We believe that you're part of the body. We believe that you're, you're necessary to this church being all that this church is created to be by God for His glory and His purpose. And so the question that we have to ask when we sit together, or when, we, when we pray together, when we walk together, when we're kicking the tires of Summit Church is, am I called to belong to this church? Because it's God's calling. It's God's calling. Am I called to belong to this church? Because we are called to be one. We're called to be one. What does that look like? I'm glad you asked. We're called to be one in Christ. Paul says to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, for just as the body is one and has many members, sounds similar, doesn't it? And all the members of the body, though many, are one body. So it is with Christ. For in one spirit... We were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, 
and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. The body does not consist of one member, but are many. We are called to be one in Christ. What does that look like? Jesus has to be at the center of everything that we do. Jesus has to be at the center of everything that we do. We are called to be one in Christ Jesus. I was, uh, I was at a retreat one time and this pastor was speaking, a dear friend of mine. He pastors a church in northern Michigan. And, uh, and he, was, he was struggling in his church, but he was sharing with, with, a, with a bunch of us. And, and he, just, he said that he was in a conversation one time with some church members that were struggling. And he said, here's the deal. If we all preach and live according to Christ, nothing else matters. We are here. We are here at Summit Church. We attend church on Sunday morning or Monday night or Wednesday morning or whenever we gather, right? Whenever we gather, we attend church to lift up the name of Jesus, not because the pastor's funny looking or because we play a certain type of music or because we have a certain feel or the lights are a certain way or this or that. The environment is perfect. I believe the number one reason to attend a church is because you are alive in Christ Jesus when you're there with the people that you're around. Number one, we're called to be one in Christ. We're called to be one in Christ. The most essential part of the body of Christ is Christ, not you. Not me, Jesus. And then we're called to be one in faith. Paul says to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 4, there's one body and spirit. One body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. That is the basic foundation on which we build upon. Without this foundation, we can never be one. I want you to get that. One Lord, Jesus, right? Jesus the Christ. He is the captain of our ship. He is Lord of all. He is Lord over our lives. And in fact, when many of us go wrong, when many of us get distracted, when many of us veer off path, it's because our focus is not on one Lord. Our focus has shifted to another Lord. Maybe that's been a career. Maybe that's, maybe that's a marriage. Maybe that's a, you know family or different things or, 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 or um, stuff or sports teams or this or that, right? But when he says one, right, you're called to be one in faith. He's saying one Lord, Jesus is the Christ, one faith in Jesus, the Son of God. He talks about one hope, right, that hope of eternity, that hope of eternal life. Because of Christ, the person and work of Him. And then he says one baptism. And I want to mention this for just a second. Because in Romans chapter 6, verse 4, Paul says to the church at Rome, he says, We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. As we're buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in the newness of life, we identify with the person and work of Jesus. We're united in that. 
One Lord, one faith, one baptism. And then, so we're called to be one. And then number two, second thing I want to point out to you this morning, we're called to be one in direction. Now, we could just say we're called to one direction, but I didn't want some of you to get confused with a band. So I added in. Okay, because there's some of you that get really excited about One Direction, and you're like, oh, we're called to listen to One Direction. Next Sunday, we'll sing their songs. Nope, not going to happen. Not going to happen, all right? <laughs> I'll be preaching my retirement. Okay, so we've been called to be one in direction. If you look back to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12 again, to equip the saints, the purpose of the church, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that, get this, we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which, with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. If you look back to Romans 12, when Paul is talking to the church at Rome there, he says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us, what's that word there? Let us use them. Let us use them. The purpose of the church, let us use them until, equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature Manhood. Let us use the gifts that God has given us to prepare, to teach, for training. See, see, God's people, God's people, you are God's people. You're not my people. You're not Ian's people. You're not Dylan's people. You're not Summit's people. You're God's people that attend Summit for works to serve in His kingdom. And He's called you. To serve as He has called you to serve. Not how we want you to serve. Not how we think you might be a good fit. For the purpose of building up. Building up the body of Christ. Not tearing it down. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. The writer of Hebrews says this, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. We must consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And to reach unity in the faith. Unity in the faith. The knowledge of Christ. The basics. The things of salvation. Unity in the faith. See, the reality is we were made for community. We're called to be one. And we're called to be in one direction. Together. A few years ago, um, Pastor Russ and I were playing in a golf tournament for the Root Cellar. You may have heard of the ministry of the Root Cellar. And uh, it just so happened that it was on a, on a day when my brother could be here. My brother, um, you, one thing you may not know about me is that I grew up around golf. Now, for some of you that live up here and golf is much a shorter season, to you it may just be grass growing. <laughs> and I respect that. I respect that. Golf is a very expensive habit and a difficult game. 
Um, but, but Russ and I were playing in a golf tournament for a good cause, and my brother happened to be here. My brother's a, kind of a semi-pro golfer. He's a caddy. He walks around with a lot of people and every day on a golf course, and, and, and that's his life. I'm not bitter. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but he got to be here, and so he's pretty good. And there were only three of us, and so they put this other guy on our team that's retired um, and plays golf like every day. And, and he gets the hit from the senior tees, which if you know anything about golf in a golf tournament, that's a huge plus, okay? And so Russ and I were like, all right, you know, this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. We got through six, four, four or five holes, I can't remember, and we had not used one of Russ's shots, nor had we used one of my shots. Between Brian, my brother, and this other guy, they were carrying us the entire day. We got to the 18th hole, and Russ and I are kind of looking at each other like, why are we even here? Like, why are we even here? Do you guys need spiritual guidance? Like, we could, like, we could, you know, help maybe in that way because Russ and I just kind of looked at each other and we're like, we want to be part of the team. Like, we want to be valuable. Like, we want to have value in this team. I think by the end of the day, we used like two or three shots of Russ's and two or three shots of mine. And Russ and I had a day of watching my brother and this other gentleman play golf. There were even a few times where um, we were standing on the tee box, which is where you hit your first shot on the hole, for those of you that may not know about golf. Um, and, and Brian would, for some reason, hit in front of us, and he would hit one way out there, about 100 yards further than Russ and I could ever dream of hitting. Plus, we would save time because we wouldn't have to go search for our balls in the woods. We just looked at each other a couple times and said, we're not even going to hit. Like, there's no purpose for us to hit. We'll pray for you guys. And... Um, and, and so we got to the point towards the end of the day, and Russ and I are even, joke, we joke about this from time to time today, we have this saying now, we just want to be part of the team. We just want to be part of the team. I just want to be part of the team. Because we're, we're referencing back to that day when neither he or I felt part of that team. We didn't have a lot of value on that team. And when I think about that, when I think about that day, and how badly we just wanted to be part of the team, I think about some of you who probably come to church week after week or maybe even not. Maybe that's not even a part of your thinking and it should be. And you're sitting and saying, I just want to be part of the team. But I don't know how. I want to be part of the team, but I'm not really sure how I fit in. I want to be part of the team, but I'm not sure I have value. See, we do that a lot to teenagers, whether we realize it or not. We think, oh man, when those teenagers grow up, they'll be the church of tomorrow. Let me tell you something, church. Our teenagers are the church of now. They're the church of now. Man, what does it look like for us as adults to get as excited about baptism as Sydney did when her friend got baptized today and jump out of our chair, if we're able, and celebrate? Our kids... That's why I took so much time last Sunday and talked about our children's ministry, which, by the way, there's still openings. We had seven people join our children's team last week, which is awesome, but I asked for 15, so there's still eight of you that are being rebellious to God. <laughs> I didn't say that first service, but I should have. <laughs> Am I called to belong? Yes. You're called to belong to God's community that is the church. This is what he gave us. It breaks my heart today, so many people that say, oh, I don't need to go to church, I can watch it online. 
I don't need to go to church. I can listen to the message online. I can, li- I can listen here. I can listen there. Man, technology's awesome. Until it hurts and cuts deep to one of the biggest places that I believe God designed the church for, and that's so that you could sit right in these seats next to these people, the body of Christ. So my question for you this morning, much like we did a couple weeks ago around God's Word, we asked two Sundays ago, what is your relationship with the Word of God on a scale of 1 to 10? What is your relationship with the Word of God on a scale of 1 to 10? Today, 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 my question is, how important is community to you on a scale of 1 to 10? How important is community to you on a scale of 1 to 10? Well, I'm an introvert. doesn't matter. Same concept, different type. How important is community to you? How valuable is community to you? Well, Pastor, I'm, you know, I've put myself out there a few times. I'm probably a two or a three just because I've been hurt. I'm, I'm so hurt. I'm damaged. Okay. Are you willing to ask God what it would take for you to be a three or a four? To value community. To value community over anything when it comes to Sunday morning. Because I think I've told you before, But in case you missed it, let me tell you again. Everything that we do here is not for you. It's not. It is for the glory and for the name of God. I pray you're touched. I pray you're moved to Jesus as a result of the things that happen here but when I'm sitting in the week and writing a message I am not thinking how am I going to make Ken Jones happy with this message how am I going to please the Willettes how am I going to please Mark and Kathy how am I going to please Dylan with this message is Deirdre going to be happy with everything that I say probably not And speaking as someone who has been there before, that is exhausting and leads to places that are dark. When I sit and prepare a message every week, I am struggling and praying that I hear from God and what He wants me to say to His people. And so I just want to make sure we have that clear when it comes to community. On a scale of 1 to 10, How important is that community to you?